You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to continue our series featuring NLC alums who are doing very important COVID frontline work. Talking today with Craig Montori, a 2016 NLC Silicon Valley fellow. We'll catch up with him. We'll share some California stories and talk about some of the work he's doing. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Craig, where exactly in the world are you on this Monday? So these days I'm in New Jersey. New Jersey. Got it. And so what is the state of affairs in New Jersey? How's morale looking? I mean, we're doing pretty good. Uh, my wife and I, we're, we're just been hunkered down for about six weeks and taking it one day at a time. And are you from the East Coast or West Coast? How'd you end up being a 2016 Silicon Valley fellow? So grew up here in New Jersey, uh, went to school, Caltech, aerospace engineer, moved up to Silicon Valley in 2010 to do a startup and uh, decided I was going to stay, ended up staying there for about six years before moving back to New York and, and ultimately back to Jersey. And, you know, we're featuring folks who are doing important work, trying to you know, support and, and maybe even solve the, the COVID crisis from many different angles. And I know your work is uh, helping to do that, especially when it comes to trying to get PPE and other life-saving medical devices. Tell folks a little bit about what you're trying to do. Yeah, so right now I'm a volunteer with the uh, C-19 Coalition. We were initially the PPE Coalition, and, and my focus is on activating domestic manufacturers to pivot their production to PPE during the crisis. So when folks hear in the news phrases like supply chain, what should they think, think about if they weren't an e economics major? The main thing is how do you get things built and then brought from point A to point B. And so when it comes to things like masks, there's a number of different steps you need. There's a number of different uh, materials you need to get there. And then once the masks are made, they tend to go to a distribution and from there to the end user. And that, that each step there is quite difficult and also needs to be built for this crisis on the fly. And so when you think about who's likely to be most successful about building that on the fly, is it a case where the federal government should play a larger role or is it something that states can actually handle, but it just would take time to ramp up production? What's your stance on how that balance should work? Coordination is probably the, the most difficult thing. And so the, the role of the federal government really can't be understated in, in allowing people to know what others are doing in this space. A lot of my day is spent working with small uh, manufacturers. Generally, that means between 10 and 50 million in annual revenue. And they initially, like many of the individuals who decided they were going to sew masks on their own, went to very similar products. Uh, and the need ended up ends up being quite a bit more diversified. And so the, the uh, coordination that is, is needed really has to come from the federal government who has that uh, eagle eye perspective on the needs of the country. That said, uh, states are really stepping up into uh, what the need is. They are aggregating into state communities, uh, state coalitions themselves. And so we're Everyone's doing what they can, and I think it's it's important to to talk about things ap acting at many different levels. Uh, but it's it's a big big problem with a, a lot of different ways where individuals and organizations and governments have stepped up and stepped in to where uh, action has been needed. And is there any way to make progress on this problem 
that doesn't involve a global solution? Is there really any way to do this without having strong relationships with other countries who might have different parts of the supply chain that you would need? Definitely, definitely. And what we're really interested in, and this is a continuation, I think, of work done by the last administration. We've been really pleased with the the number of uh, leaders from the former White House that uh, have really stepped in at the NGO level during this crisis. That question of advanced manufacturing, what America is the strongest at, um, there was a, a big push by the Office of Science and Technology Policy over the uh, the Obama administration that you see coming out again today that says that local manufacturers that have been doing a whole variety of products are now stepping into PPE. They're converting their production lines. They're, they're getting back to work. Are we going to be able to, to fulfill the entire needs domestically? No. But during a crisis, to have that surge production capacity is going to be critical, and the infrastructure to enable it to revert back and enable it again in future crises is being built by the, my my peers, my colleagues, and, and people that, that inspire and impress me every day. And so as people watch the news, what signs, what phrases, what things should they look for to know that we're making progress on this challenge? I think it comes down to the, the basic made in America. And, and that's really what you're going to see because it's such a clear uh, rhetorical win for everyone involved when, when these cases come up. And so to see masks, to see isolation gowns, gloves, facial shields, the first people to step in were, were the individual makers. They, they took their sewing machines, they took their uh, 3D printers, they got started. And you started from there seeing licensing, IP, plans get aggregated from the bottom up and companies that were being bottlenecked on production putting them out there. So GM, for example, Cardinal Health, all of them are, are, have been doing really great work. And so now you're starting to see that uh, the, the small manufacturer, the midsize manufacturer begin to get through the retooling process. Are any new machines built? But I, I think what a listener, uh, someone who's just watching the news every day should look for is there's going to be more and more people taking credit and rightfully so, over the next three to six months of this is a product that's made in America, this is a solution that's made in America, and that's that that's what success is going to look like. When we come back, we'll talk with Craig a little bit more about work that he does that's not related to COVID and PPE. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Craig, do I have that right that you weren't necessarily doing this work full-time uh, this time last year? What's your actual day job when things are a little bit more normal? <laughs> that is correct, yeah. So my day job is I'm the co-founder and executive director of an organization, a nonprofit called Global EIR. And in terms of what that work entails, what does that, uh, what does that work relate to? It's primarily an economic development program for cities around the country. And as we've been seeing more and more innovation ecosystems grow outside of Silicon Valley, outside of the coasts, these cities are turning to partner with Global EIR to uh, create and, and to boost their, their infrastructure. So what Global EIR in particular provides is a pathway for international entrepreneurs to put roots down in a city like Detroit or Indianapolis, where they're going to grow their business, hire locally, and create 
a opportunity for innovation capital to get deployed into into a region that it might not otherwise go. And in terms of how long you've been doing that work, is that relatively recent, or you've been in, at it for a, a couple of years? I've been running Global AIR for five years now, and for the five years prior to that, I was a advocate for passing a startup visa through Congress. Uh, that became a, a critical part of the comprehensive immigration reform and ultimately was something that President Obama took action on as, as part of uh, the the executive orders following the collapse of comprehensive immigration reform legislation back in 2014, the International Entrepreneur Rule. And it seems like COVID is a reason for the current administration to do all sorts of weird, nefarious things. And that's definitely true when it comes to, to visas and to immigration. What measures that have happened in the last two months have you the most concerned? Well, the, the the biggest issue is a question of the State Department interviews of all immigrants uh, to get your, as one of the last steps in the visa process to enter the country, you often have to talk to, say, a, a go to a consulate and have a, have a sit down there. All in-person sit downs are, are canceled for further notice and there's no Zoom interview set up for, for immigrants. In terms of uh, what you see a potentially new administration doing in maybe, say, the first 100 days, the first couple of months, if there was one that, that started in January, what kind of things would you want to see happen? Well, I, I think like many of us in the progressive ecosystem, there is a very well thought out comprehensive immigration bill. And it's it's just a question of the political will being there to both engage those that have constructive changes they'd like to see, to have a constructive conversation there, and to manage opposition to say, can we get to a vote? I think looking back at 2014, the majority was clearly there if a vote had happened. So things like the startup visa that are critical, but admittedly quite focused parts of the in the immigration ecosystem are are a part of that. Now, I think the the change we've seen evolve and emerge over the past five years has really been that immigration needs to be paired up with something that uh, that affects the day to day life of the average American. And and so, for the case of immigrant entrepreneurship, there's been a clear link between the immigrant coming to a community and the job creation. So. How do we perhaps deconstruct the concept of, of immigration reform to talk about how it how each component is going to improve the lives of all Americans? And I, I think that's one of the evolutions we may see under a new administration and, and specifically under a campaign that has the vision for what a new administration could do. Yeah, well said. Listen, thanks for all you're doing on all fronts here. We appreciate your contributions to your community and to the country at large. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to catch all past episodes and all the places you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, they're all there. Lots of great short and sweet episodes featuring alums doing important work on the COVID front lines, as well as last week we talked to a bunch of educators to celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week. So catch those too. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon.